the end of the day, I mean, this is just a game. It's just a job. And, you know, the main thing is getting everybody healthy, making sure everybody gets home at the end of the game. And to see that was, was difficult. Hi, you're now listening to the Bare Minimum Podcast with Clay Harbor and Marshall Harris. Over the middle to Harbor, touchdown! We're going to be talking all things Bears all the time. We'll have interviews and commentary from your favorite players and beat writers from the city of Chicago. If you love the Chicago Bears and you love the NFL, you're in the right place. And this podcast is sponsored by Joy District Chicago. Come experience the three floors of Joy District. The first floor, Parlay at Joy, the ultra-modern sports bar. The second floor, the Club at Joy, the hottest dance club in the city. And the third floor, the Roof at Joy, the rooftop bar with great views of Chicago. Joy District is open Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 a.m., and Sunday from 2 p.m. to 12 p.m. We will see you at Joy District. Hello and welcome into the Bare Minimum Podcast along with former NFL tight end and bachelor at slash bachelor in paradise extraordinaire. Uh, is that actor? I don't know. Star? Reality star. We'll call him a reality star. It's Clay Harbor. I'm Marshall Harris, and uh, I'm just here to guide you and to try to get the best out of Clay today, uh, as I do anytime he's uh, on this podcast or out in the streets. Clay, here's what, what did not happen on Sunday. Matt Eberfus was not able to get the best out of the Bears. Now, I'm not saying they were going to beat the Lions anyway. Nine straight losses and counting. Nine straight games where they've given up at least 25 points. First time that's ever happened, both those things, in Bears franchise history. And we're talking about a lengthy storied franchise history clay watching that game i was like okay y'all can just shut the season down what were your thoughts well brutal game and before we get started marshall you don't you don't have to throw in the bachelorette thing here man you know i mean if pot you don't know people need to know who they're dealing with you know the bachelorette thing okay i guess we can go with it but that's not the proudest moment of my life. You know, obviously it's a part of it, but, you know, not my favorite moment, not my proudest moment. But if you want to keep going, throwing the Bachelorette, uh, reality TV, we'll let it happen. But just just know you don't have to do that. That's not, like, you know, part of the deal here. Um, the deal. Okay. But, okay. but brutal game, man. Honestly, in my memory, I mean, I've been a Bear fan since I've been born. I remember my dad, you know, throwing some curse words at the TV since I was since I was little in his apartment watching this team. But honestly, it's one of the worst performances I've seen. I, I mean, top five worst games in my Bear fandom history, I would say. There was nothing. We just talked about this before. There was no positives to take from this. Maybe, you know, Fields got over 100 yards rushing. He could possibly get the record next week if they want to play him. That's something I think we're going to talk about. But overall, I mean, this is Tell the Truth Monday on Tuesday. And on Tell the Truth Monday, as a football player, you take a hard look at yourself, take a hard look in the mirror, and you got to be honest with where you're at. And right now the Bears look like the worst team in the league I think they look worse than even the Texans, and there's not much to get excited about. I think there's more that needs to be done than we thought from Ryan Poles. I mean, it's easy to tear a team down. Now you got to build this thing up, and now you're seeing how many holes you really have in this roster. Guys you thought could play. My man, Braxton Jones, giving up sacks. 
Uh, Jaquan Brisker looks like he's lost out there. This game, I mean, there's some guys that I've been really high on that really just didn't show up, and it, it is concerning. There was regression, and, you know, we'll talk about the things that went wrong. And I do have one positive we will get to about the Bears when we talk about them. But first, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what happened on Monday night football between the Bengals and the Bills, a game that is now postponed. We don't know, as of the taping of this podcast, how they're going to make it up with more games looming this weekend as we're in the final week of the NFL's regular season. Uh, But to see DeMar Hamlin, second-year player, 24 years old of the Bills, make a tackle on T. Higgins, get up, and then collapse. And now we know that he went into cardiac arrest on the field now, Luckily, if you're going to have a medical issue, you know, on the field at a facility where there's personnel that can handle that, emergency personnel, that's the time that things happen. That's maybe the most fortunate part of this. He's in critical condition at a local Cincinnati hospital. Clay, just take me through your thoughts when you saw him about halfway through the first quarter go down. And it was pretty quick that we realized this wasn't just a normal injury. Man. That was uh, that was tough. I started to get a little bit emotional on watching the game there because it's it just reminded me of you know a lot of the uh, the games and situations I've played in, and I knew how my mom felt in those situations. My mom struggled to watch me play at all because she got so nervous because she knew there was always that risk there, and that's a risk that obviously we take as football players every time you, you strap up the helmet you got to know there's a chance that something could happen to where your life is drastically altered. But the fact to see a young guy getting administered CPR, fighting to breathe, that was completely healthy before the game really put everything into perspective. We obviously care a lot about football and, you know, it's a job for a lot of people and the livelihoods of a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is just a game. It's just a job. And, you know, the main thing is getting everybody healthy, making sure everybody gets home at the end of the game. And to see that was was difficult. You know, we're all it's kind of a it's kind of a big fraternity with NFL football players and former NFL football players. And you hate to see one of your own go down like that. And, you know, I felt for the guys on the team and you could see I mean, you look and you see, you know, some some of the guys were were visibly emotional. You you look at some of the, the big-time receivers, you know, you look at some of these guys. I mean, they're very emotional watching their teammate, their brother, go through that. And these guys, during the season, like, these guys become closer than your family members. You're with them every day. You're working out with them every day. You're training with them. You're hanging out with them. These guys are your family. And I, from the beginning, I just said that they can't finish this game. There's no way these guys are going to be able to focus on football. It takes a certain mentality, a mindset to play football in the National Football League, in the NFL. And and to make these guys go out there would have been the wrong move. I think the NFL made the right decision. I think it maybe took a little bit too long. But all in all, they made the right decision to cancel the game. They can't go back out there without knowing how their brother is doing. It took about 90 minutes from the time he went down for the NFL to postpone this game. Again, we don't know when it's going to be played at, the, at the, the time of this taping. Clay, you've been on the field before when you've seen guys go down and you got to keep playing. How do you deal with that as a player when that does happen? Man, there's been a couple of times where I've seen some, um, some big injuries. 
I remember one time uh, Deshaun Jackson concussion against uh, Atlanta Falcons, and it was my my second year in the league, and Deshaun was down for a solid 15 minutes, and I mean that was difficult. And obviously he's not getting CPR administered to to him, and and just seeing big even when you have a big injury, you know your buddy tore his ACL, man, you gotta. It's tough because say, hey, that's that's big. That's a drastic injury. His ACL break a bone. I mean, these are big things that affect their livelihood, their way to to, to support their family, to play guys. You're you're in the training room with, you're joking with, and to see that happen is difficult. But the fact that this guy was fighting for his life, and there's still not that much information out there on on how he's doing, is you know is tough. And I think it's not going to get much easier until they know that he's in the clear and uh you know everybody's just praying for him and, and hoping this young man you know second year player sixth round draft pick has had a good year so far up and comer it's just tough to see something like that happen to this guy and everybody's got nothing but the best things to say about him you know talking to some of my buddies that that actually know him they say he's just a good guy hard working dude and um you know it's it's tough to uh to see that happen to to somebody that's a part of your group your fraternity in this game that we play. Again, Hamlin, uh, fortunate that his mother was in the crowd, so she got to obviously go be by his side. Uh, but in critical condition at last check, and we'll see what happens with him with uh, this Bills-Bengals game. Uh, a lot to get through to see how they figure this out because there's a lot of playoff implications on the line, which, of course, takes a complete backseat when you don't know if your teammate is going to live or die, which is the case anytime they're having to administer CPR on the field. Uh, and, you know, we know his vital signs uh, stabilized when he got to the hospital last night, um, but, but still a long ways to go if you're still listed in critical condition. And we'll, we'll keep an eye out and a prayer up for DeMar Hamlin. Uh, back to the task at hand, you know, Bears looking at a 10-game losing streak possibly to end the season. We, and we talked about it in theory. You didn't think they were going to win another game. I said I thought maybe they had a chance and they were playing close. But now after this, it feels like they've, they've fallen off the cliff. Because they've played a lot of teams close, but what the Lions did to them was absolutely awful. You talk about hard to see positives. I'll give you one positive, and then we can move on. Bayless Jones Jr., you know, he only had one target. He didn't catch a ball. But he did have his fourth kickoff return of 40-plus yards in the last six games. He looks like he can be a legitimate weapon in the kicking game. They had seven touchbacks because, you know, the Lions kicked off often in this game. He only got to bring one of them back, uh, but he made it count with a 63-yard return. I mean, is he a legitimate weapon? Or am, I, am I making too much out of the success he's had in the back half of the season, the kicking game? I think you're going to have to bring more to the table than just a kick returner to to be a weapon. He's going to have to learn how to catch punts. And also, you say it's a positive. You know, it's a big negative to me. The fact that Velas Jones did not return a punt when Dante Pettis went out with a concussion. They brought Tristan Ebner in there to return the punts. So to me, that's saying you have no confidence. The end of the game, that your team is losing, there's, you're playing for nothing. Your first punt returner goes down. Dante Pettis, you have a rookie here that you spent a third-round pick on, a guy that was your punt returner, you put him back there. And now at this point in the season, you still don't feel comfortable with giving him an opportunity to return a punt? They're saying he can't return punts. To me, that's saying they have no confidence in him returning punts. Maybe that can change next year, but right now, 
That is a not that is an in, indictment on the confidence level that they have in Bayless Jones to return a punt to catch a punt, and that is minimal. You mentioned uh, Justin Fields' big game: ten carries for 132 yards. Uh, he had a pick, he had a fumble, took a lot of sacks. Is, is that on him, or are we are we blaming the offensive line? What, what are we looking at with Justin Fields? I know it seemed like everyone has regressed here. If you look at the last couple of games, man, you know, for me watching the game back, I think it was, it was a group effort. I think that offensive line was brutal. I mean, you feel bad for fields because the offensive line did play off awful. Okay. You take Tevin Jenkins out. Okay. Number one offensive lineman, Michael Schofield goes down. You you have some guy named Dieter Ellison in there who graded out a a 7% on pro football focus and was giving up pressures right and left. It's tough to deal with, right up the right up the gut. But on the flip side of that, there were some plays that were on the scheme. There was two rollouts of the seven sacks. Two rollouts were sacks. And these are play-action passes to where the defensive end is unaccounted for. Aiden Hutchinson, the, the, the run action has to get Aiden Hutchinson. He was coached to stay home on these run on these run run plays. And he stayed there, and when Fields pulled out on his, uh, you know, when he pulled out of that, that run fake, he was sitting right there, and he was in his face. And they stopped doing that. They stopped running that. It's usually a big play for the Bears. The defensive end was staying home. Aiden Hutchinson was able to get pressure on Fields that way. Another one on the goal line, you know, play action. No, can't find a guy. He runs out. You're fourth and two. You have an opportunity to make a play. Can't do it. Looked like Cole Komet was open on the goal line. He runs out at the takes a three yard loss, and that is that's a sack. He ran out of bounds. It was a sack. It wasn't a real sack. What's a sack? Okay, it's three sacks now. There's okay. Uh, Braxton Jones gets bullied once. One time, maybe Fields could have stepped up, but overall the pressure was 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 not good. It was not good. It was below average. It was unsatisfactory, and Fields could do a better job of getting the ball out. Yes, he holds the ball sometimes, but. I don't think there's many quarterbacks in the league that are going to be successful with that level of pressure. And then obviously a whole other conversation is, who's he throwing the ball to, Marshall? I'm about ready to call you, tell you to go suit up. Nobody's getting open. I mean, they're doing a better job of getting open than I would, Clay, but maybe you could put the pads back on and get open, right? I don't know, man. That's... uh... That's that's a tall task here. I mean, I've thought about it. I'm I'm actually going to uh, throw with my buddy Troy Fumagalli, who's actually a active tight end in the NFL. That happened to me back in Chicago. We grabbed a couple beers and watched some of these college football games this week. And uh, we're going to go throw this week with another NFL caliber quarterback, Clayton Thorson, Northwestern graduate, was a draft pick of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, I believe. And uh, hey, man, if I still got it, I'm, I might you know let polls know next season. I'm here. If you need a veteran tight end and uh, heavy on the veteran, Clay Harbor's out here, people. He's out, He is a free agent. He is a free agent. Um, so they'll have to unretire and do all the things. Uh, so we're looking at this team now, and you're wondering, after seeing that really the worst performance of the season, should Matt Eberflus even risk Justin Fields and some of these starters should, should, should they treat this like preseason game, the old preseason game number four? You know, I've I went back and forth on this one. If you if you got the offensive line in the same situation as it was last week, do you really want to play these guys? But, 
I mean, it's clear. I mean, Fields doesn't have many weapons at all, but, I mean, he's still got to improve. You know, he's the guy, but he's got a lot of improving to do in the pass game. The only way to get better is to actually do it. So if you want to see this guy improve, this is a big opportunity. You can go out against a team that's still playing for seeding. Hey, go out there. You tra- you play to win the game. You give these guys another opportunity, and this could add to growth of this team. It's a young team. It's going to help everybody involved, and obviously – you don't want to injure anybody and you don't want to create bad habits if there is no weapons out there. But I think, in my opinion, as a player, everything's field says he wants to play. The, the offensive line, everybody wants to play and wants to go out there and compete. Eberflu says, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to take every opportunity to get better. I'm behind him. If he wants to play fields, if he wants to play all the starters, go out there. Hey, your, your team is awful right now. You got three wins. What do you have to lose? Obviously, you don't want to injure your quarterback, but he has to improve still. Obviously, he's shown a lot of good things, but in the past game, you can't go out there and say, hey, we completed seven passes. We're averaging 150 yards a game. We're good. We're just going to wait. And, you know, obviously, you need more weapons, but he's got to improve too. And the best way to do that is experience. Even if you don't have the best weapons, the experience is invaluable. All right, I'm going to put it like this. If the number 64, as in rushing yards, didn't exist, I would sit Justin Fields this week. But I would say, because he's only 63 yards behind Lamar Jackson in terms of single-season rushing record for QB, let him go out there and see if he can get it. Now, if he's getting killed out there, pull him. Like, give him a chance. It's like a guy in a game that – it's already been decided. He's got nine rebounds or nine assists, and he only needs one more for a triple-double. You leave him out there for a little bit, but you don't leave him out there for the whole game and risk injury. That, that, that's just my personal way of looking at it. So I, I get what you're saying, uh, certainly. It's, it's just a scary time. Matt Eberflus and his coaching staff, has got they have to find a way to get these guys motivated to finish the season strong. It's a home game. We'll see who comes out for it, what, what that's looking like, uh, what the weather's looking like. All, all these things will be factors and what, what the atmosphere is like at Soldier Field. And obviously the Vikings still playing for something because they need to get their act together because uh, they got mollywopped on Sunday. Let's take a break here, Clay. Time for halftime before we wrap things up here on uh, the next to last week of the NFL's regular season. I'm just curious, Clay. You said you were out with your buddies watching a little football. Were there any engagements with the fair sex for you as you continue to look for the one? Honestly, there wasn't any. Um, there was there was no there was no stories this weekend for me to tell. It was honestly pretty low key. I didn't go out for New Year's Eve. I uh, I relaxed. I got up, got a good night's sleep, got an early you. workout in. Um, but you know, we were. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Um, no, my I didn't have any stories. I was just looking at some of my buddies and like, dude, they're they're big on the social media dating. Like a couple of my friends, I mean, they're just they're murdering it on the the dating apps and and just showing me like they're on the Raya and the Hinge and I think that's where a lot of the people are meeting each other now is the dating apps. Do you think more people are meeting on dating apps than in real life? Absolutely. Like we went out to watch the games and we we just went to a couple like sports bars and there wasn't any, you know, there weren't many attractive uh, women. There's, you know, boys watching the game. My dad came out, watched some games. You know, we're talking about our little bets, you know, what parlays we got going. So it's, it's honestly, I'm, I'm 
starting to think that I need to, you know, re-engage in the dating app game because I feel like that's where a lot of these guys are doing. My buddies are showing me some of the, the women they're meeting from these apps. And I'm like, you don't see these girls in person. You don't walk into a bar most of the time and see a girl that, that's that attractive and, like, actually has, like, a job and, you know, stuff like that, man. I'm like, wow, like, a good job. Like, you're not talking about, uh, I don't know. This this was pretty impressive uh, stuff my buddies were showing me. Okay, so the, the apps are the way to go. As you know, never been on an app myself, so I, I'm fascinated by how that works and everything. I will say this. I feel like social media itself is where a lot of people make connections. We talked about sliding into the DMs and all of that type of stuff. So I think maybe we're just moving to an overall digital world in terms of dating. Um, I'm just an old school, like I like to meet people or have a reference. And I think, I think refer you can't go wrong with a reference. Like if you have a friend that knows somebody that you thinks, you know, they're cool that's someone vouching for them. Because to me, the whole thing with the apps is just the vetting process is just, that seems like not a lot there. Bad. Yeah. How do you vet from an app? You literally have nothing to go off of but a picture and a, you know, and a little profile, a couple sentences. So that's risky. You know, you don't know who you're really dealing with there. So that's tough. That's risky. And, and, and the other thing I'll say is I, I do know one way people try to vet, as I've been told, is a lot of times, depending on the app, your social media will be linked to the app, so you can kind of peruse through that. So we're talking about just a, a social media app now. If you have a page, it's got to be highly like organized and you know catered to what you want to project to people who might be interested, correct? Absolutely. And talking about the vetting thing, um, one of my buddies that was uh, that was one of the guys that was. Uh, on these dating apps. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're absolutely murdering it over here. Like save some for the rest of us. But he just got put on in a, a uh, website, a Facebook group where the women of Chicago have a Facebook group to where they put on a picture of a guy and say, are we dating the same guy? And then all the guys, then all the girls on, there's like 20,000 girls on this page, like all the single girls in Chicago. And they look and say, oh, I'm talking to this guy, too. I'm talking to this guy, too. I'm talking to this guy, too. And he got sent screenshots of these women talking about him saying, yeah, like, we're all talking to this guy. And um, he kind of got put on blast a little bit by that uh, by that app. That seems uh, problematic if you're out here just dating to try to meet people and see what's going on, right? Like, and the thing is, people have different phases of dating. Like you just met someone, you went on a couple of dates versus I'm in a relationship with someone. So I feel like as long as you're upfront about like, you know, obviously you go on a first date, you're not exclusive with someone. So like, but that, oof. you know what? Big ups to the ladies out there for getting their acts together and figuring it out. The guys need to have something like this too, man. I might create a, a paid for the, for the boys. Hey, hey, you got, you got all the women doing this. Why not all the guys? I mean, let's, uh, let's take, I mean, it's a way to a vetting process. If you're, you know, you can kind of see the intentions of the person. So, you know, Hey, what's the best way? I mean, you, the guys could do this too. You weren't in that Facebook group, right? They didn't have a picture of Clay Harbor in there. No, there was no picture of me. I mean, maybe in the, in the past I got put on there, but, uh, no, no picture of me here. But uh, these days I am, I'm not the, you know, the dude that'd be in that situation. But, you know, the only place that I do like to go if if I do go out 
I mean, is Joy District. I mean, Marshall knows that Joy is actually a good spot. I was almost going to go out there on New Year's Eve and celebrate, have a couple of cocktails, but I figured I would just get a good workout in, you know, and go into the New Year feeling, feeling good. But Joy District has it all. The first floor you go, you watch the game, have some beers, the bar food, fun time. You know, from there you go up to the third floor, nice view, you know, it's, it's beautiful cocktail bar, have a drink here, have a drink there. If you're on the date, it's kind of where you want to go. If you're on the hunt, on the prowl, if you're like Marshall, you just like to dance. You just like to be at the club and you like to dance, you know, then you're going to be in that second floor. The second floor, Joy, is the club floor. They have the DJ, they have the bottle service, they have the bar. That's where you're probably going to meet uh, the majority of the ladies is on the second floor of Joy on the weekend. Hit up Joy District. You know, Marshall will be up there dancing. So uh, come say what's up there. You paint a pretty picture, Clay, as we get back to football. And here's the thing. Ryan Poles, he's got the full first day of school art kit. Like, hasn't been touched yet. And it's going to be very interesting to see what he does with probably the closest thing to a blank canvas we've seen in years in the NFL. When you look at the cap space that the Bears have and evaluating the talent that's already on the roster. I think it's time for us to start looking at, like, who do we know is definitely going to be back next season? Um, some some guys are given. Like, Justin Fields is a given, although fans want to, you know, be upset about his performance as if he has a full – he does not have a full art kit to paint with on the field right now, offensively no. speaking. Um, obviously, some of those rookies, Kyler Gordon, uh, Jaquan Brisker, uh, you know – you would think Chase Claypool, although I would have loved to see more from him in the back half of the season, uh, and, and Darnell Mooney. But, like, who else are you looking at that, that you're saying, hey, this guy is definitely going to be back if I'm Ryan Poles? I mean, there's not many. But, all right, so we're going to start with quarterback. Obviously, Justin Fields is going to be our quarterback. Um, go to running back. Dave Montgomery's a free agent. I could see them extending him an offer. I would, I would like to see Montgomery back. I think he's a guy. He's not explosive. He's not going to do anything crazy, but he is a good short yardage back, and he's a guy that everybody in the locker room loves. Uh, Khalil Herbert, he'll be back. He's in the top of the league, the upper echelon in yards per carry. He's shown some good things this year. All right, this is where it gets interesting. Wide receiver. Equinemius St. Brown, I don't know. He's a pretty good blocker for receiver, good special teams player. I wouldn't care to see him on the field as a receiver. Dante Pettis, I mean, he's made some plays, but he had a big drop last week. Um, he's consistently can catch the ball as a punt returner. I don't think he'll be back. Um, Byron Pringle has got a couple more years on his deal. He hasn't done much. I assume Pringle will be back. He's battled through some injuries. Then uh, Bayless Jones, he'll be in camp competing for a spot, I believe. Like you said, he's shown some things in the return game. Third-round pick, you're not going to get rid of him that early. And Kill Harry, I don't know. I Probably not. He's shown some things, but I don't think maybe they bring him back for some camp competition. Mooney will be here. Claypool will be there. That's the two guys you can guarantee will be back. Pringle probably will be back. Um, St. Brown and Kill Harry, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility they like those guys. Tight end, Cole Komet. I don't think Ryan Griffin – comes back Trevor and Wesco I mean maybe you bring the guy back as a, a blocker but Cole Komet can play 
I think they bring another guy, maybe like an Evan Ingram type, uh, a more athletic player to go with um, Cole Komet. But this is where it gets fun. Offensive line. I mean, you you call it fun. I call it you got to be careful and make the right decisions. How many how many players in this offensive line do you bring back? I know my answer. Um, obviously you bring back the young guys. You know the the Braxton Jones. He's on a rookie contract. I mean, some of these guys are cheap to bring back. Um, and then you can just top top top. Do you have him penciled in as a starter, Braxton Jones, for next year? Yeah, unless you go get a top flight tackle. I haven't seen what's out there on the tackle market, but like. I bring him back. I bring Tevin Jenkins back. Uh, but then Tevin Jenkins hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. Best offensive lineman love Tevin Jenkins. You got to have Tevin Jenkins insurance for next year. Yeah, Honestly, and that's fine. I'm saying I think that's where a lot of – I think all the money – I'm sorry. Let me ask you a question, Clay. What position did Ryan Poles play in football? O-line. He knows. You build it in the trenches. So I think that's where the upgrades are coming. O-line and defensive line. But I also think he believes, obviously, in Braxton Jones. And he doesn't necessarily believe in Tevin Jenkins on that level. But I think those guys are, are, are coming back. Who, who else do you think is coming back for this O-line? You know, I think Riley Reef has had a decent year. I don't think they bring him back. You know, he's a late addition. Uh, Michael Schofield, honestly, I think had a decent year. Don't think they bring him back. Sam Mustafer. Um, I think he'll be back as a backup. He's still under contract. I think they bring back uh, Larry Borum as a backup. I think uh, he's still under contract. Um, Lucas Patrick, I think, gets the opportunity to play center. He was one of Flus's guys. Yeah, Luke Getzey's guys. He brought him from uh, Green Bay. You know, that's one of their big additions. You know, we got the center, Aaron Rodgers center. Get a chance to start at center. A lot of people don't want to see that, but I think Lucas Patrick does get the opportunity to start at center. Alex Leatherwood's under contract. I don't think he's ha- he has it, but maybe a year of work will help him. And uh, I think that's pretty much everybody. So starting as a starter, Tevin Jenkins is the only guy I'm bringing back for a 100% starter. Braxton Jones, most likely. Maybe you can move him to right tackle, left tackle, swing tackle, depending on if you can find a big-name left tackle in the draft or in free agency you can bring in. Besides that, I, I think there's three spots you need to fill. Maybe you give Lucas Patrick the opportunity to start at center. To I mean, that's what you brought him in for. So, okay, maybe there's two spots to fill. But it all depends. What do you feel about Lucas Patrick? Can you can him playing guard really change your mind about how he is as a center? Because his natural position is center. I, I think it's good to be versatile. You need versatility on the line because people are going to get hurt. That's that's my overall stance. Yeah, I think they need to go out and get at least two starters for this offensive line. However, you want to shuffle it up, but they need two more starters. Two starters for the offensive line. Okay, now let's get to the defensive line. <laughs> Wipe that I, thing out. Wipe that you, thing out. Are you are you taking out the complete? You need four new starters on the defensive line. You you say Travis Gibson, Justin Jones. Nobody can start on this defensive line. It's not even about starting. It's about the fact that D-line, you need guys who can rotate in. And they don't have any depth, or the depth they have is bad from start to finish. Is that is that fair? Like, some of these guys you might keep just because you need guys. You're not going to go sign eight defensive linemen who are all going to be rotation-worthy, right? I wouldn't be mad if there was a complete 
new starting defensive line here. Obviously, okay, everybody's saying Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, could be your first pick. Will Anderson could be your first pick. Okay, you get one of those guys. You have to get pick up somebody in free agency as well. But Travis Gibson can maybe come back as a rotational player. You exactly. know, like he had a sack yet. He could come back as a rotational player. Justin Jones, rotational guy. I think he can get the job done. Dominique Robinson is going to have to show me more. Um, Mike Pennell Jr. going to have to show me more. Alquilden Muhammad, sorry, man. Flus brought you in from, from Indy. You didn't get the job done. I don't know if I want to see him. Angelo Blackson, Armand Watts, sorry. I don't really want to see any more of them as well. So I think you need three more defense, interior defensive defenders, interior D tackles. I think you need three more defensive ends. Travis Gibson, Justin Jones are my only guys I'm for sure keeping. And then Dominic Robinson has to show me a little bit. Besides that, I think this group, see you later. It's the, it's the, it's the worst part of the team. The stats bear it out. Um, what about that linebacking core? You know what I, uh, I – Jack I, I, Sanborn. Uh, let me just start. I, I, know who, I know who's definitely back. Jack Sanborn is back. Well, he's back because, first of all, he doesn't cost you anything. Yes. He's an undrafted free agent. Nicholas Morrow played a horrible – the last two games, Nicholas Morrow has played awful. And, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate to see because I was a Nicholas Morrow guy. I'm like, hey, this guy could probably play as a rotational player. Nicholas Morrow lost himself some money these last couple of weeks, and I don't think that he will uh, be back the way he's played. The special teams guys, Michael, Matthew Adams, Joe Thomas, I think you can keep them on the, you know, the roster, special teams guys, guys that can fill in, but, you know, they're not guys that are going to be out there helping you starting. You know, there's guys that could fill in, make a play here or there. They're both physical players and veterans, so I think they can play. Um, all right, this is another interesting, Marshall. Defensive backs, what are your thoughts? This t- this unit has been the hardest unit for me to grade. To yeah, cause they're because they're left on islands for too long a period of time because the defensive line doesn't get any up- pressure. They're up and down. They're up and down. Give me your thoughts. Clay, no, no. What other secondary has had to deal with a lack of pressure up front? And therefore, you, you can't be overexposed as, a, as an NFL DB because going up against NFL wide receivers, if you give a quarterback that much time, he's going to figure it out. Guys are going to get open. Yeah. No, I agree. You got to have pressure. You got to have pressure to help these defensive backs. But, okay. Kyler Gordon hasn't looked good. Last He had a horrible game. The guy can't really cover in man. He's made some good plays in zone coverage. Obviously, you're bringing Kyler Gordon back. Second-round draft pick, you're giving him opportunity to start, win his job. Jaquan Brisker. I've been, been high in Brisker this whole year. I think Brisker's got the talent ability. I think Brisker's got some improving to do. He, I don't know what happened, but he hasn't been hitting the same way. He hasn't been playing the same way. He hasn't been as disciplined. And Brisker struggled, in my opinion. So from there, I mean, obviously you got Eddie Jackson, IR. You know, you got Jalen Johnson coming back. Do you, do you extend Jalen Johnson? What do you, what do, you do there? Jalen Johnson, he's got one more year under, on his contract. Uh, Eddie Jackson comes back as $11 million there. Kendall Vildor, I think you bring back. He's done some good things. Jalen Jones, you bring back as a depth piece. So, overall, I think you got some guys to keep in this secondary. Starting-wise, Brisker, Jackson, okay. 
I think that those guys are penciled in there for next year. Kyler Gordon, Jalen Johnson, I think are penciled in there as well. So overall, I think your defensive backs are there. I'm still not 100% sold on them. I think they've done some good things. And no, I know I think, you're going to say the defensive line. No, no, no. So you got to give them the opportunity. But beyond that, I think no one would be upset if the Bears go out and get another cornerback, a high-level cornerback. I mean, you've got the money to spend. If you want to spend it there, it's a passing league, Clay. So you can use all the help you can get as far as stopping guys uh, with, with, with high-level DBs. Yeah, I agree. You can't. You can never have too many good cornerbacks, and I think they, you know, they need a slot. They need a slot guy. I don't think Kyler Gordon's a guy that can play the slot. You know, he he needs to be in a specific type of defense for him to be successful. But overall, I think on the defense, at least, I mean, that's the strongest unit. You know, linebackers. I think I think you need a couple linebackers. I think you need four new defensive linemen. And this defense is historically bad. I mean, they're bad against the run. They're bad against the pass. I mean, they're bad in the red zone. They're bad in the open field. They're just bad. So, I mean, you got a lot of work to do for this defense. I I just think this is going to be the most fun part of the Bears season outside of Justin Fields using his legs. Because, like, when you really break down what the Bears season has been, it's been, oh, Justin Fields makes an exciting play once a game, and that's pretty much it. Um, now the off season, it's like you can build it. It's like build a bear, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can you can figure out what you want to do. You know, it's like uh, you're building a house, and you've got a budget, and it's like we can put more money into this, more money into that. Get the man cave going. Let's see what Ryan Poles can do, man. You know that that comes with also trade the trade market. I want to see what what happens with trade. We've already seen he's not afraid to to make trades as he was able to move uh, a couple of big pieces on defense, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, you know, we got time to talk about it. Yeah, we got plenty of time to talk about it. But, you know, for now, I think we told the truth, Marshall. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty. The game was, the game was ugly. Um, not a lot of good things to take from it. We got one more game this year. I think they play everyone. You got to go out with a bang. Every, every opportunity, to me, is an opportunity for this young team to get better. I know Fields doesn't have the weapons, but he's still got to get better as a passer, and these are these are good experiences for him to improve on, to keep growing. That's what it's about. We'll see, because, like I said, the Vikings are coming off a dud, so you know they're going to want to finish the season strong, regardless of if their playoff positioning can change or will change, uh, depending on the outcome of the game. We'll talk about that game a little more in depth as we get you ready for the finale of the season. Mm. Until then, for mm. Clay Harbor, NFL tight end, Clay Harbor, who says he might come out of retirement, Clay Harbor, I'm Marshall Harris saying thanks for joining us on the latest episode of the Bare Minimum Podcast.